from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Without a show of hands, ask yourself if you know the common table prayer. Come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Something else, let me ask you if you know the common doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, it's interesting because um, it's common to us. And it's something that is used, those prayers, are used to, to lift up praise to God Almighty for things he has done and continues to do in each of our lives. But if you're not a Lutheran, for that matter, if you're not a Christian, it's not too common. <laughs> this is something that we really always need to be sensitive to, whether it's regarding our congregation or regarding our Christian lives. We sometimes kind of think we're an exclusive group here and in every parish and in every denomination. Yet we always need to be so very sensitive about those maybe in our presence who have never ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that in a, a roundabout way really is kind of what's going on in a sense with what Peter's talking about in our Acts passage today. As Lutheran Christians, sometimes we kind of may be uh, similar to the Jews. And let me, in the sense of being distinct people, the problem is, is that God made the Jews a very distinct people. God chose the Jews as his people. Now remember, if you're, uh, there are Jews and everybody else is Gentiles. We're all Gentiles, okay? Gentile Christians. We aren't Jewish. Maybe some of you are from background, from your background. But God chose the Israelites. And if you think about it, why did he choose the Israelites? I don't have a real good answer. Scripture says it wasn't because they were so numerous in people or that they were such a good people. I'm one that believes that God chose the Israelites as kind of a, a, a microcosm of humanity. God had created the Jews. God had provided for the Jews. He had given them everything, and he only asked them to follow his commands for their own well-being and for their own good. Yet they rebelled. And we, in that sense, it's humanity, are no different than the Jewish people. Now the Jews were really a separate people. They, they, they were not supposed to mingle with any Gentiles. As a matter of fact, they weren't also to, to eat typically most of what the Gentiles ate. They saw that as unclean. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, we've got some interesting descriptions of some of those foods. Uh, let me read one. It says, you may eat any animal that has a split hoof divided in two and that chews its cud. <laughs> the pig is also unclean, although it has a split hoof, 
you are not to eat the meat or touch the carcass. Now, you know, we have to remember, God established these rules. These are not man-made rules. But at the same time, at the same time, it's important to remember that Jesus ate with Gentiles. Jesus not only ate with Gentiles, but he ate with, with sinners. So the point that's being made here in our text today, and I, I'm sorry, I'm not looking at the text closer with you this morning, but is this fact that that which was given to the Jews is now for everyone. That God's mercy and grace which was given to the Jews is now available to all people. And God made that clear to Peter through a vision. And God sent others in his presence to remind him of that truth. But today, all people, not just people that go to church, but all people have the grace of God available to them. And we see that through the promises of God's word. Interestingly enough, that as we saw how God chose the Jewish people, we always got inklings throughout the Old Testament that God also loved all people. An example, Genesis chapter 17. Uh, Abraham was given for his nation and for the people the everlasting covenant of circumcision. Now, who was to be circumcised? Those born in your household, the Jews. Or those bought with your money from a, those bought with money from a foreign land. Those who are not your offspring. All must be circumcised. You see, the circumcision ultimately leads us to the everlasting covenant in Jesus Christ, uh, as we find out in the New Testament. But maybe a more relevant uh, text is the Revelation passage, chapter 21, before us, when Jesus says, I am making everything new. You see, everything was made new through the new covenant, or as we call it, the New Testament. You see, now everybody has access to the love of God through the very blood that was shed through Jesus Christ on the cross. And through Christ, he is now the very Lamb of God who came to take away the sins not only of the Jew, not only of the believer, but of all people. Now, uh, let me preface what I mean by that. God's love is universal. That's the point. And for some crazy reason, as you've heard me speak before, that some people reject that love. They reject the grace that God has given to them. But God loves all people. And this gift is a gift for all who believe in him. To this very moment, now this is important, I think, because to this very moment, what we have to see right now is that God is calling people and drawing an unbeliever to become a believer by the power of his Holy Spirit. Right now, God does not separate his desire for one type or all, but he's drawing all people unto him. And what he does is he creates faith 
in all types of people's lives. He creates faith in the life of an infant as it is baptized through the water and the word. He creates faith in an adult as the word of God is spoken and that two-edged sword of God's word pierces the heart and soul of that individual to open up their eyes to see the gospel of Christ. So, I present to you a question. I present Zion specifically, and I guess maybe it's leadership this morning. Do we believe that all people are welcome into the fellowship of God's house? Or, or are we kind of a club? Are we an exclusive church? Or are we inclusive? Let me be honest. I, we all carry with us the remnant of sin. You see, when Christ died, he took all of our sins away that have, we are all held accountable to God the Father. But through Christ's death and resurrection, he's opened up that wonderful relationship and we are one with the Father through the work of Christ. But we still carry with us the remnant of sin. And I'm not going to use you as an example. I'm not going to use any parish I've ever been a part of as an example of maybe... Uh, excluding people. I'm going to use myself. And I can remember as though it was yesterday. It was in high school. I had high school youth group. I had two groups of friends. High school youth group and I had my um, uh, Lutheran youth group. High school friends and church friends. <laughs> That's better. You know, I'd never invite my uh, high school friends to church. <laughs> I mean, why would I? It wasn't their church. This was John's church. So we have to have our eyes totally open all the time in the sense of asking ourselves those questions. Are we an exclusive or an inclusive church? Now, I'm not saying that in order for us to be inclusive, we need to change everything. I use the illustration, I don't know, Greg, I was going to ask Greg if it was all right with you if I used you for an example between services, but I mean, wouldn't it be good to see Greg, uh, our organist, behind a set of drums? Probably not. Probably not, and chances are he wouldn't jump at the chance. But you see, I'm one that really believes as a Lutheran church, Missouri centered, as a congregation, we are wonderful in this sense that we are faithful to God's word. And that's what God calls us to be. Do you know the number one way a church grows? Now, programs, yeah, that can help. Functions of churches, yeah, that can all help. But the number one reason a church grow, grows for the right reasons is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That motivates you and me. And what that motivates us to do is to now be the very mouthpiece and the very welcoming mat of the Holy Spirit to people. Basically what I'm saying is by inviting people. That's the way churches grow. By inviting people. Uh, 
And, and the Holy Spirit is working through you and through me in that area of growth. Now, to where somebody can be sitting in the midst of a congregation, hearing the word of God, and the Holy Spirit working on their hearts of the gospel, bringing forgiveness of sins and eternal life. The good news is beyond, my friends, reason. The Bible says that God's word will accomplish its purpose. That's why we must be adamant about using God's holy and precious word. And it's crucial that whatever we do as members of our church, that we make sure, without compromising our theology, make sure that we aren't putting obstacles in front of people for hearing the gospel, but taking actual advantage of any and every opportunity for the gospel. But again, let's be honest. Your pastor has really blown it. I have become, at times, an obstacle toward Jesus Christ and for those certain people coming in that don't come anymore. We've all been there. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. But it's crucial that we also remember we live in a relationship with our forgiving God through Jesus Christ. And in every day of our life, he gives us a new beginning. A new beginning to observe ourselves that I am fallen by my, in my humanity, but by grace I am lifted up constantly in Jesus. In closing, the Jews are still God's chosen people. But now because of Jesus Christ and the blood he spilt, we are also God's chosen people. As the world is God's chosen people, for when Christ died, he didn't give grace just to a certain amount of people, but he gave his mercy and grace to all people. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, actually, a wonderful description of the Jew. It's called the Song of Moses. And God refers to the Jew as the apple of his eye. Guess what? We too are the apple of his eye. And by the power of his spirit, now God calls us to go pick some more apples. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.